Give me words to speak clearly, and just bless this time in your name we pray, amen. You can all have a seat. So this is our last week of looking at Joseph, the life of Joseph. We spent the last couple weeks looking at him, and I want to just kind of give you a recap, catch us up to speed if some of you haven't been here. The first week we looked at Joseph doing the right thing. We looked at him doing the right thing where sometimes when he did the right thing, he, the consequences that came to him or the situations he found them in, they didn't seem right. But if we look at the whole big picture, we see that they are the right thing. And last week we saw that Joseph, he needed time to grow up. That God had him in the places he had him in because there were some qualities, some characters that he had to learn. He had to learn things like gentleness. He had to learn things like kindness and trust and patience and humility. Now this week we're going to look at, a, it's a pretty big section of Genesis. It's going to be chapters 42 through 45 and then a little bit of 50. So obviously we're not going to read all of that because it's too much too much. So we're going to kind of summarize and skip some parts. But where we left off last week, we saw Pharaoh making Joseph second in command. So Joseph had a lot of power now. Joseph came from being, a, uh, from being in prison to being all the way to a ruler. And he, the seven years of, of abundance, the seven years of really good crops that he told the Pharaoh that that was your dream meant, those have, those have happened. So we, we're past the years of abundance and the famine has started. There's this famine that's throughout the entire land. There's not any food anywhere. But because of those years of abundance and, and Joseph being putting storehouses together, there's food in Egypt. And so chapter 42 begins with Jacob saying to his sons, why do you just keep looking at each other? And I just saw that, and Deb, thank you for laughing, because that was my, like, I, that popped out of me, and I was like, that is a really funny line. Why do you just keep looking at each other? And I thought of, like, when my kids are at home, and they're busy watching TV or on Xbox, and they yell up, and they say, Dad, Dad, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. And I'm like, well, I'm busy. What do you want me to do about it? Why do you just sit there looking at each other or looking at the TV? Go do something about it. So they, they really are, they become, instead of finding a solution to the problem, they actually become part of the problem. Now, we also, that line too could maybe say, because remember we said Joseph was loved by Jacob more than his other sons. Maybe Joseph didn't sit around and look at each other and he actually did something. So maybe that's why Joseph or Jacob loved him more. But what we see is, that Jacob says, you know what, get off your rear ends, quit looking at each other, don't just sit here, look at each other and wait for each other to die, go to Egypt and get some food. So he sends them all off, except for one son, he keeps Benjamin with him, because Benjamin is, has the same mom as Joseph, and so I think now Benjamin is the one that, he's the special one now, he's the one that he loves more. And he sends them off to Egypt, but nobody knows who they're going to meet. Nobody knows who the man is that these brothers are going to go meet. This man they're going to meet is Joseph. They're going to go meet Joseph, and they have no idea that Joseph is now even still alive. But what we see is that this is just all part of the plan. It's just all, it's all part of the plan. And 
This is a plan that, this is God's plan. And what you'll see is that this, is, this isn't anything that anybody could come up with because there's so many moving pieces. It's so intricate. But I want to ask you this question before we go on. That has everybody in this room, have you ever done anything wrong? Yes, everybody unanimously said, yes, we've done something wrong. So have you ever wondered, maybe it's something that you've done and it's been kind of sneaky or you've kind of got away with it, but have you ever wondered what would happen if somebody found out about it? Somebody found out about it. I see a few head shakes there. And then have you maybe lived in fear, just wondering that once, whatever that was, it was discovered that you're going to get punished. So we're, so we're kind of constantly waiting we're constantly living in this state of fear we're maybe constantly kind of looking over our shoulder waiting for something to happen maybe we don't even trust people because i might be looking at someone i might be looking at chris and i just i'm looking at her and i go i don't know if i can trust her because if she may know what i did and i i don't know if i can really trust it so if maybe some of us have been like that and it reminds me of a story of my oldest son one time, he was a senior in high school, and this was quite a few years ago, and he wanted to have a camp out or put up a tent and sleep in the bar backyard. And I was, I was going, well, that's kind of odd because that's kind of what you do in junior high, but I don't care, whatever. So we, we were having a dinner party or something at our house, and so Kim asked me, and said, hey, can you just grab a couple six-packs of beer? Yeah, I'm sorry, it was beer, but we... So I put them in the fridge, and I didn't think anything about it because it was a couple days, so I set them in there. And I, I go to the fridge the next morning to grab milk or something out of there, and I see there's four or five of them missing. And I go, well, that's odd. I go, did my wife kind of go on a binge last night, and I, I, I missed it? I got, was, where was I? So I asked her, I said, did you? She goes, no, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so I go, okay, I, I know what happened to them. So the next day, I'm, I'm with my son the whole day. Don't say a word. With him, don't say a word. I think it, I think it actually went two days. And finally, it just it ate at him. That, and that's that fear I'm talking about, just that being afraid, looking over the shoulder like, I'm going to get in trouble. So how am I, someone's going to know this. And finally, after two days, he just couldn't handle it, and he just confessed. And he said, you know, Dad, those, we, we took those and... and well, actually, the punishment was a little bit less because he actually confessed, so I didn't have to do. But what we discovered is that when you're in that position, like when I had that, when I could make a decision, okay, what am I going to do? You know, one of the things that we could maybe th- do is that we could get retaliation. We could get revenge on somebody. Once you, once you discover if somebody hurt you or somebody did something to you, we could get retaliation. And... We see in the story that his brothers arrive in Egypt. They come to Egypt, and the person they meet is Joseph. And they come to Joseph, and well, they bow down to Joseph. And if you remember those dreams I talked about, well, there's the fulfillment of those dreams. They're bowing down to him. Now, Joseph, remember, when he was, he was young when they sold him into slavery. They haven't seen him for a long, long time. Joseph's probably in his 30s now or 40s. He's, he's, he's a lot older now, so they don't recognize him. But Joseph does. Joseph knows who these people are. And Joseph, he has power now. He has authority. 
when he was a little brother, he, he didn't have any power. He didn't have any authority over his brothers. But now he has every means available in Egypt to get revenge on his brothers, to get retaliation, to cause harm to them, to cause harm as they caused harm to him. So what do you think he should do? What would you do if you were him? Probably know if it was me, I'd probably want my revenge. I'd want to give it, give, get him what he does, give them what they deserve. And if we look at Deuteronomy 19.21, it says, Show no pity, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. So what that's telling us is that the punishment, he, has, he can punish them as long as the crime, the, the punishment isn't worse than the crime. So he was thrown into prison. He could throw him into prison. He was put into slavery. He could put him into slavery. He could do one of those things. So what does he do? What we see is that he pretends not to know them. Pretends he doesn't know them. He speaks harshly to them. He accuses them of things. He accuses them of being spies. He questions them. And he, and he actually does throw them in prison. And he tells them that one of you, one of your brothers, you need to go back and you need to get this, this other brother of yours that you told me about. And you need to bring him back here or the rest of you will never leave Egypt. So he leaves him in prison for three days and then he talk, goes to talk to him and he says on the third day, he says, okay, all of you go home except for one of you. And he keeps Simeon and he binds Simeon in front of them and he sends them all back and he says, don't ever come back here unless you have all of your brothers here, unless you bring your youngest brother here. And then the next thing we see is we see Joseph turning around and Joseph wept. His heart was broken. So what was Joseph doing? What was Joseph doing? We also see his brothers, because they think he's Egyptian, so his brothers speak in their native tongue, and the brothers are speaking amongst themselves, saying, we've been discovered. All of these things we did in our past, we're being punished for them now, for what we did to Joseph. So was Joseph really getting retaliation? Or maybe he was just kind of playing with his brothers. Maybe like, you know, a, a cat does with a mouse before it pounces. He was just playing with them. And truthfully, the Bible never says why Joseph didn't just come out and say, hey, I'm Joseph. We don't, we don't really know. It doesn't say. Last week we talked about Joseph growing up. Well, Maybe there's this battle. I think I would have this battle of if somebody that hurt me, somebody that caused me harm, that did what his brothers did to him, I'd have this battle in me. I would want revenge. I'd want to take it out on them. But then Joseph might have also been over here wanting to just love his brothers, wanting to reunite with them, wanting to have his family back. So there might be this battle that's going on in him and he doesn't quite know what to do, and so he's do having some more growing up to do. Something else that he might do is he may not trust his brothers. If he tells them who they are, and just, you know, they might, it might go right back to where, the way it was. So he, they've never done anything in his life to, to show trust. So he might be trying to discover if he can trust them. Have any of us ever had that struggle? 
or if we have that situation where someone has hurt us in the past, somebody has done something to us that's affected us, and now we find ourselves in a position where we can get restitution. We can get revenge. And what did we do? You know, a, kind of a silly story would be as, think of in high school when you, if you had a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you know how you're just all googly-eyed and, oh, we love you. And it's just this, it's, that's just that silliness that goes on in high school. And, well, one of them goes out, and this is how much in love you are. Some Friday night, that girlfriend or boyfriend goes out with some other guy or girl, and, well, she makes out with them and cheats on you. And then, so what, you know, what kind of relationship is that? But now you find out she comes back to you and she's asking for forgiveness. She goes, I'm so sorry. I don't know what I was doing. And, but doesn't that give you power now? So you have the power. You can, you can either forgive her or you can get some sort of revenge on her. Or you could even call up her girlfriend, her best friend and go out with her and, and pay her back for what she did to you. So that's, that's that power I'm talking about, being in that position. Now, I think what we do see Joseph doing is restitution. But it's not the kind of restitution that you're going to think. It's not, it's not you'll, 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 I'll, you'll see what it is later. But it's, and restitution is when I want to seek compensation for my loss. I want to seek compensation for the loss or this injury that, that his brothers have harmed him. Not being paid money, not an eye for an eye, not the revenge. And it's, in, in fact, Joseph having the authority, he could extort his brothers and, and just take in restitution or take in the restitution for that by charging him double for what the grain is worth. And we don't actually see him doing that. What we actually see him doing is he returns the silver to them in their bags when they go back with grain. So he's, so he's, not, he's not getting monetary compensation. So what is Joseph doing? It doesn't sound like he was really seeking restitution. But we have a, he had a chance to seek both restitution and retaliation, but he doesn't seem to be doing it. Or he could be just this mastermind that has this grand plan that he's going to cause as much pain and as much harm to them as possible, that he's, he's going to get his revenge. Now, my friend told me the story of his grandkids, and it kind of examples of, of just how we're born with this. When I asked you that question, has everybody done anything wrong? Yes. And just to show you that we're born this way, and we're born wanting this, this desire to get an eye for an eye, to get restitution and get revenge. We're, we're born that way. So these little, these little boys are like one years old, one and a half years old. They're just little guys. They're cute little, I mean, they're, they're supposed to be nice, sweet little angels. Well, one of them is, they're standing up, one's at the coffee table, and they're standing up, and he's walking by, and he's looking at his cousin, and he looks at his foot and just goes, stomps on his foot, walks on by, and just kind of looks at him and goes, what are you going to do about it? So the other little guy goes, and he's standing there, looks around the room, looks at his foot, Looks at his cousin, stomps on his foot, goes, 
what are you going to do about it? So we're born this way. We're just, this is part of our nature to do this. So we would expect this out of Joseph. Now, the family has gone back home. The brothers have gone back home. They've eaten their grain and they had to tell Jacob, you know, why is Simeon still here? And these, the, this guy from Egypt said, you can't come back unless you bring Benjamin. And they kind of let that sit there for a while. But now food's running out. So Jacob says, you got to go back and buy more food. And they said, well, we can't do that unless we bring Benjamin with us. Well, Jacob says, no way. Well, there's some negotiation. And finally, Jacob s- agrees to send him. And we see Joseph meeting his brothers again when he asks them. And he asks them about his father. He asks them, how's his father doing? And then, well, not his father, but he asks how their father is because he hasn't revealed it yet. And then he sees Benjamin. He looks at his little brother. And what we see is, again, is that Joseph is overwhelmed and he has to leave and he weeps again. Accelerate the story a little bit. They sell grain again. They agree to go back. And the silvers returned to them. And actually, when the brothers came, they brought double the silver to repay in case there was a mistake. So all of that silver was returned. But then there was one other thing. Joseph had his little special silver cup that he's told his people to put. You know what? Put it in the youngest brother's sack. Put this silver cup in that sack. So he sends them on their way. The next day, Joseph wakes up and he says, look at these, what these Hebrews did. They stole my cup. So he sends them out to capture the brothers and they catch up to him and they, they, they overcome him and they take him. And they start going through their packs and now Joseph's going to get his chance, isn't he? He's going to get his chance. This maybe is this master plan. He's going to get his retaliation. He's going to get his revenge. But what we do is we see him he has a chance to put his brothers in prison, into slavery. But that's not how the story ends, because remember I said it was Benjamin's sack. So Benjamin is where they f- is the sack they find the silver cup in. Benjamin had nothing to do with all the things his brothers have done in the past. Benjamin is innocent. So they take that and they say, and Joseph says, throw, throw him in prison, throw Benjamin in prison. And like I said, Benjamin is innocent. We see the innocent paying the price for the guilty. The guilty. All of those brothers. And all of those brothers are going to go free. That doesn't seem like an eye for an eye. Because an eye for an eye, isn't it? The person that has committed the crime needs to pay for the crime. But instead we see the innocent. And that, that reminds me of another guy in history. Doesn't that remind you of Jesus? It reminds you of Jesus, another innocent guy that, that rather than pay restitu- us pay the restitution for, for being sinful like we are, he pays the price. The innocent pays the price for us. We're going to talk a little bit about more of that in a minute. We see Joseph's brothers plea to him to free Benjamin, to say we can't go back home without this little brother. Our, our dad will go to the grave if we do this. In fact, Judah, the brothers are putting this together now. And the brother Judah says in 
verse 16 of chapter 44. He says, God has uncovered your servant's guilt. He's not talking about the silver that was in the bag, in case they're still being accused of stealing the silver. He's not talking about the silver cup that was in Benjamin's bag. What he's talking about is what they did to Joseph, all those sins they committed to Joseph. He's talking about everything bad that they've ever done, all those sins that they used to do. Because remember, Joseph used to tattle on him for the bad things that they did. So he's saying, we're finally, time's up. We're going to pay the consequences now. And so what do they do? And, and Joseph is at the point now where it's just chaos. And, and Joseph, he sends everybody out of the room, sends them all out, says, leave, except for his brothers. And Joseph, he, he has to tell them who he is now. He couldn't take it. In fact, this is what he says. He says, I am Joseph. He tells him, I'm Joseph. And he asks, is my father still living? And these, this is his, the brother's response. But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. The brothers' sins were found out. Brothers, they, they knew that, oh, oh, that's our brother. We're going to be in trouble now. And they're so afraid of what's going to happen to them, that they're going to get what they deserve now. But listen to how Joseph responds to him. He says, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. What we see, this is the restitution that I'm saying that, that Joseph, I think, wanted. Joseph wanted restitution, but he wanted restitution in the form of bringing his family back together. He wanted restitution of, of having that relationship back, getting those relationships back. Now, he sends the brothers back to, to, to their father, and he says, bring them all back here. Come live with us. And Pharaoh it hears about this story. He hears about his brothers being here. And Pharaoh, this is, this is what Pharaoh does. Pharaoh goes to the brothers and he promises to give Joseph's family and all of his brothers the best of the land to live on. And just a little side note, next week we're going to talk about Moses, but if you've ever wondered how the Israelites got to Egypt, this is how. This is, this is how they got there. So, we see the brothers not getting what they deserved. They didn't deserve to get what they got. But instead, we see, this is what we see them getting, is we see them getting mercy and grace. The punishment should be equal to the crime, right? Should be at least equal to the crime. But instead, we see Joseph living out these words we see in Romans 12. Do not repay anyone for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil, but overcome evil with good. Joseph saw that this revenge thing, 
That's not mine to do. That's God's deal. That's God's business to get revenge. In fact, if you look at the definition of mercy, this is what mercy is. It says, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Joseph had the power to harm his brothers. He had the power to do whatever he wanted. But yet, he demonstrated that and gave him mercy. The brothers not getting what they deserved. That was mercy. Now, grace is what we see them getting. They were given grace. They didn't deserve to go free. They certainly didn't deserve the best land to, to go live on. Yet, mercy and grace, that's what was given them. But there's still one problem that we're going to see at the end of Genesis. In, in Genesis 50, verses 15 to 21. Jacob and his family and all the brothers are in the Egypt now. They're living there. They're on the land. And actually, things are going pretty well for them. And, but Jacob dies. So their father has died. And this is the reaction of Joseph's brothers. This is what we read in, in verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? They didn't get this mercy and grace thing. So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brother's sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Again, we see Joseph weeping. We see his heart. He's got a tender heart. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? Joseph again is saying, I'm not God. That revenge, that all, that's God's business. That's not mine. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph was giving him mercy and grace. God, through Joseph, was giving his brothers mercy and grace. Yet they wouldn't accept it. They couldn't accept it. They went through their lives waiting for this revenge to come. Waiting for this punishment to come. But this revenge was never going to come. It wasn't going to come. That wasn't part of the plan. It wasn't part of this plan that, that for them to come back and get their punishment. So what about us? Do we, des do we live with this fear, waiting to get what we deserve? I want to still look at Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when we raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Remember when I asked you, has everybody done anything wrong? All of us raised our hand. All of us said yes. So we're all guilty. We're all guilty of sin. We're, we all, if we were to get what we get, we all deserve death. But God's mercy and grace gave us life. 
He gives us life through, through Jesus to save the lives of many. Now, we need to believe that. If we believe and accept the truth that Jesus paid the price on the cross, we accept this mercy and grace that God has given us through Jesus, that we don't get what we deserve, but we get what we don't deserve. Do you remember earlier when I said the, about the innocent paying the price, that letting the guilty go free? Well, Jesus is on the cross. He was innocent, and he paid the price. Jesus' sacrifice on the cry, cross gave us that mercy and grace. So we need to believe that. We need to accept that. We need to accept that Jesus, on the death on the cross, by accepting that, we can have this mercy and grace. We need to know that this is all part of the plan. This is all part of the plan to reunite us to God. Let's pray.